Welcome to the Furniture Artist Podcast, where Erin shares experiences, adventures, and challenges in the furniture artist life. If you love brushes and paint, and furniture is your canvas, you're in the right place. Now, here's Erin from the Bowtie Treasures Studio. Well, here we are again. It's episode number 13 here in the Bowtie Treasures Studio. For this episode, we're going to have a little bit of a split topic, but they're very much related. And I want to talk about picking up furniture or going to get furniture or why you're on the hunt, that process of getting ready for that and some things that, uh, reminders. And then I also want to talk about the process of meeting up, getting that all set up, just some tips and things that I've experienced in the last few years that come to mind that uh, hopefully will at least enlighten you as to things you might think about or just make you recall like, oh, I've totally been there. So it'll be one of those episodes. But basically the step is, or the the moment you're at is, you've agreed to purchase a a piece of furniture for someone, maybe like a marketplace or your favorite for sale site, and it's time to go get the piece. And Or you could even say it might be that you're out going to estate sales or garage sales I think there's a level of preparedness that you need to have in mind. Nothing's worse than uh, going somewhere and then you're you're not even capable of picking it up. It can be very frustrating for you. And oftentimes it can be frustrating for the person on the uh, selling side because they expected to sell it or they expected you to take it and now you can't even take it. So the question is, are you ready to take home a piece of furniture? Of course, you got to have the space for it, but it could be that you are are shopping for smaller pieces and smaller items, but I'm really specifically targeting furniture that, uh, you know, does require somewhat of like an SUV or a trailer or something like that, not uh, maybe just home decor. So we'll kind of keep it in that scope. I have to usually have one or two booths in in my area. Uh, It just depends on, you know, whether the booth's working out, but we have what we call a tool bag or a booth bag, and we we carry that bag pretty much everywhere we go. Because usually uh, there's times where we may need to run by there after work or on the weekend. So we just leave it in the SUV all the time because we just never know when we're going to need it for our booth. But you'd be surprised how often it comes in handy when you decide to go to the, let's say, the furniture store or a thrift store or you see something on the side of the road, which I rarely see that around here. But uh, so I would recommend that you get some kind of tool bag or some kind of a little bucket or something that you can, uh, that won't spill over and make a mess in your car. Uh, I thought it would be fun to go over my bag. I can't tell you everything in there, but these are some things that help me with acquiring furniture. Uh, It's always nice to have a tape measure. In fact, I have two small ones. I think I get them at Harbor Freight. Just ones that go up to, you know, 10 feet, 12 feet, something that you can measure a dresser. It's not unusual for me to get to an estate sale, say, yeah, I really like this china cabinet. And then I start measuring it. And it's, I think I can do 48 inches or narrower. You need to know what your limitations are. Now, if you have a huge extra large truck, anything goes at that point. But a tape measure is nice to have. I don't necessarily walk around with it, but when I need it, it's in the car. I always make sure that I have a Phillips head and a flathead screwdriver, mainly because a lot of the furniture that you see 
that's older or antique are going to have flathead screws. Uh, that's because they didn't really make Phillips head screwdrivers, I think, until post-World War II. I could have the wrong war, but that's generally the idea. So if you see Phillips head screwdrivers, you're probably not talking about a 100-year-old piece of furniture or at least something not over 80 years old or so. But I like to have both of those. It doesn't mean that I also do not have one of those screwdrivers that you can change the bits. I have that as well. And the reason for that is because you might need to do some kind of weird screw that someone's put in the back of a mirror. You know, maybe it's a square bit. So I do recommend that you have a little bit set. So if your set can handle multiple tools like that, keep them handy because you just never know. And I'll give you an example. Oftentimes we'll find dressers with mirrors at estate sales or somewhere else. And you've got to take the mirror off. You got to take the brackets off and usually you're not going to have someone do that for you at an estate sale. So I'm always ready to take those off. I also have one of these small drills, the ones that you like charge with a USB charger. It's not heavy duty, but it's small enough to fit in this bag. And that has saved me many times from having to constant, you know, to only use my hand. So have that small drill handy to go handy and don't forget to charge it once in a while too. I do have some small scissors. Uh, those come in handy as well. I use those in my booth work a lot, but they might help you when you're doing furniture pickups. Uh, you might need some tape and a marker. If you feel like you need to take all the drawers out and that way you can label those drawers. Sometimes you just lean to lighten a load. And if you get nine drawers sitting in the yard and you don't know which one goes where, you're going to have a little bit of extra work trying to figure that out. So I'd have something like that handy. I also have a small hammer. You just never know uh, what you're going to need the hammer for. And so I use it in, uh, in booths sometimes, but I would have a small hammer. And you can get one of those little one-pound hammers or whatever, just something small that comes in a kit. The last one I would say is a box cutter, uh, just in case you need to cut uh, some wrap or anything else, some string or yarn. You just be you'd be prepared. That those are things that I would say keep in keep in that handy bag. Uh, you could do something like a small socket set. Uh, pliers would be another one I didn't write down. Pliers would be really good. I think I've got a small one. Needle nose is debatable, but have some kind of gripping plier type scenario. Um, maybe something that's a vice grip slash pliers slash needle nose. I do have, have one of those and, and it just gives you a lot of variety of options. The next thing I'd like to say, if you're going to go pick up furniture, so this is past the bag now is have a blanket or two. You just don't know what you're going to get into. This last week I went and picked up a China cabinet and a buffet and I had all those things in my trailer. I have an enclosed trailer that I bought just for this purpose. One, to deliver, but two, to pick up. And I was able to put blankets around the china cabinet and actually even lay it on the side in my enclosed trailer. Which means I also have those little rolls of plastic wrap, if you will, that you can go around and around the piece of furniture. Just a handheld one, not huge but I was able to protect those pieces of furniture from scratching, damage, doors opening. Sometimes the plastic wrap is just great to keep the drawers from falling out. But if you're really trying to take care of furniture and show the person that you're getting it from that you really care, it's a great way to go. 
I always overprotect my pieces when I'm taking them to the booth. So I have a lot of those things around. But you can get these blankets for $8 to $15 a blanket. And depending on the size of the piece, you may only need one of those. So I like to have those ready to go. You might think about having some kind of container or plastic bag, Ziploc bag for screws. So again, if uh, I went to one estate sale, I think we bought at least three dressers and probably came back with three or four mirrors that were on those. You know, the vintage mirror uh, dressers have like two mirrors per dresser. So next thing you know, you have like 36 screws and four mirrors and two brackets. So have something that you can put those screws in. Because if you put them in the drawers, good good chance that they're not going to be all in one place when you get home. Um, at my age, you know, if you're past 30, 40, 50, you might start considering uh, having a back brace uh, or I might call it a support brace. Um, and, you know, you might say, well, I don't, I feel fine. Well, give it 10 years and you'll be like, man, I moved too many dressers. So I like to have a back brace handy. Gloves would be another one. Uh, if you're more of an office type mouse pad hands, you might just get some gloves that just give you a little bit more extra grip and keep your hands um, uh, safe from, let's say, particle board or, or any issues the furniture might have. That would be the other one. So, the, so some of these are just things that you're going to experience and go, I wish I had that. And I'll just say, I told you so, right? I will tell you, uh, on my website, bowtietreasures.com, if you go to the shop menu, there's an Amazon link. A lot of things that I use around my studio, around my shop, around my workshop, um, I have listed on that page. And I'm going to tell you, on that page is the next thing that I would recommend. If you and your friend or your partner or your coworker do a lot of furniture pickups, we really love our shoulder dolly moving straps. In the photograph, I think they're carrying a refrigerator, um, but we use it for dressers, buffets, uh, just anything that's big and heavy. And it really lightens the load greatly. When you're trying to go down steps or up steps, which we've done, or go around corners or do some strategic moving, it gives you a more stable carry and it takes the load off your hands and it gets it to the level you need it to be. And it just really helps you with your posture. If you do a lot of moving and you don't have shoulder dolly moving straps, go check out that link, bowtietreasures.com, under the shop menu, under Amazon. Scroll down a little bit and you're going to see them there. There's a bunch of other tools and things there, but look for that, what I'm talking about on that page. And they're not expensive, but we, we keep it in our trailer and anytime I take my trailer somewhere, we have those straps, and they are so helpful. So if you do a lot of furniture moving, we use it to move furniture into my studio, out of my studio, into the trailer, out of the trailer. Um, they're great. So let me recommend you do that. This is not really a tool. The next item is cash. You know, you, there are some people who are, you know, they don't use a cell phone. They don't use apps. They're not going to want to check. You can't do Venmo. You know, they're 75 and all they want is cash. And I usually, and I'll probably put this in the next step, but try to find out up front before you show up. If you can't do cash, you better clear with them. Can you do Venmo? Can you do PayPal? Can you do Cash App? Whatever it is, because you might get there 
and you don't have the money, you don't have cash, you don't have check. And um, after a while, it kind of becomes habit, but you'd be surprised. Some people have weird payment options, and I try not to get too far in that. A sad example, I'm, I know I'm sad in this case. Like I went to get these two pieces I just told you about, and I had a hundred. It was 150 for the two pieces, but I had 147. So I did message them. I was polite enough to say, "Would you take 147?" Because if not, I was going to have to go find an ATM and break or break a hundred dollar bill or something. You know what I mean? So don't show up and be rude. At least be rude in advance, so at least they know it's coming. Um, but you know how it is. You know, and I try to think about that sometimes when you're pricing furniture. Is are they coming to your house and you priced at one thirty five? I'm like, who has a five dollar bill, right? So sometimes it's better to to price your pieces divisible by twenty. So at least if they go to the bank, it's one twenty instead of one thirty five, or you might as well just charge them one forty. Sometimes they might give you forty and say keep the change. That's different, but think about that a little bit uh, when you're dealing with pricing. So again, if you're going to bring something, bring some cash with you. Uh, one thing I would recommend if you're going to do a lot of purchasing of furniture, especially at estate sales, and uh, we talked the other day about branding, I think on, ep- on our episode or two ago, but one of the things you want to get to is you want to get your business uh, licensed basically so that you can be uh, tax exempt because you're reselling. So when I buy a dresser from an estate sale, I haven't, my, my uh, tax exempt form business ID and all that stuff straightened out so that they know that they don't charge me tax because I'm going to be charging the customer tax. So stuff like that's uh, nice to have a copy with you. And uh, you may not be there yet, but if you're going to do enough of this kind of stuff, you need to get uh, your business to a point where you can present that form. Now, you're not going to do that at a garage sale or, you know, let's say a a thrift store, but uh, in a resale scenario, that, that will come in handy. So those are some things to think about uh, when you are like what to bring, what to have ready. And most of these things, if I've got my trailer, like if I'm going to go to the thrift store and I talked about that the other day, I'm going to have my trailer. I'm going to have all these things in there because one, uh, for example, I was in Tampa. I'm about six, seven hours from Tampa. We went there one weekend and uh, furniture was kind of low in our area. So we went down there. Uh, to stay the weekend with some friends. But while we were down there, we thought, well, let's look around for some furniture. And I found this really nice china cabinet. Unfortunately, I failed to ask the important question early in my furniture career was, is it one piece or two? Because one piece, we didn't have our trailer. And uh, I expected to take it apart. We got there, it was one piece. And this is where the bits come in. uh, And maybe even the element of being able to have a screwdriver that you can reach in it. We finally got it apart, but it was just a pain because I didn't have exactly the right tools. I think I didn't have the, a long enough tool or the uh, right bit, uh, so that was a uh, a bit of an issue for me at that time. Uh, so that's that's one of those things. It's nice to have and make sure you're, you're prepared. And uh, so, if we talk about meeting someone, let's move into that segment of this. Uh, this one may go a little quicker, but we'll see. We, we might even make a whole nother episode of it. But I think the number one thing I wrote down is communicate. It's important that you communicate, again, me asking the right questions. Is it one piece or two? 
Um, there are probably 30 questions you can ask. I will tell you there's probably about the patience of the seller probably can handle maybe three, maybe two. Uh, I keep going back to this example last week, but it was just there were so many points last week that kind of kept rising to the top. Like I was asking questions and I could, I quickly could tell that they were getting mildly insulted by the questions. Remember that people are very attached to, the, to their things. Or in this case, it was not really an estate sale, but they were liquidating estate assets because they had no room for it. So for me to ask um, anything about dog smell or cigarette smoke, they may not know the history. Uh, they may not want to be asked any questions because as soon as you ask a questions, when you're re- when you're hit with um, questions like, "Well, it's really old, and I could sell it right now to someone else," you could tell that they're done with questions. You know what I mean? Like you can listen to the cues, but sometimes if you're texting or you're messaging a messenger, you have a little bit more opportunity. But in this case, I was dealing with someone. I wasn't dealing with the person who had sold me the piece. It was kind of like the child. Uh, one of the kids lined up to sell, but they weren't there. It was just weird. But uh, communicate some things to communicate. What time can uh, what what time can I come? Now, in my schedule, it's very limited. So sometimes I'll lose furniture just because I'm not available to go get it when they want to sell it. So be polite. Say, would you be willing to have me? Can I come tomorrow at two or tomorrow at six? Are you okay if I come at nine p.m.? Some people, you know, after six, when it gets dark, no, no, no way. Other people are like, I have literally had gone somewhere at 11 o'clock at night. They're like, dude, come on, let's go. They wanted to sell it. So you have to kind of understand who you're talking with and what, what, what would be allowed there. Be flexible. Work around their schedule. Remember, oftentimes, although they're selling the piece, you don't want to be inconvenient to them. So question or comments like, what would be good for you? Would it be all right if I do this? Are you okay if I come later? Would you be willing to hold it a little bit longer? Just be polite. I like to provide ETAs. Once I know the address and I tell them I'm coming at 1, I'm going to put in my Google Maps and I'm going to tell them my ETA is 102 or 1253. That way I'm not surprising them. And then when I get there, I like to let them know. And I appreciate when people show up to my place and they let me know. Um, not that I can't tell, but it's a nice courtesy. So think about saying, I'm here. Uh, where would you like me to park is a good question. I have a trailer. So sometimes, you, you know, you might scope the Google Maps out, Google uh, Street View, and see, oh, they've got two driveway. They don't have any driveway. I'm parking in the grass. Where am I going to back up? The trailer for me is a little bit of an extra caveat that I have to keep in mind. Where am I going to park it? Also, oftentimes one of our biggest problems with my trailer when we go to estate sales is how do I get out? Because you can some of these are dead-end streets. Once you get in there, it's going to be fun backing that thing out. So it's kind of fun to deal with. But if, you, if you're serious about it, I do recommend you get a trailer. You need to be able to go to an estate sale and get three or four pieces or whatever. I've done two trips out of estate sales with my SUV and trailer. Get it while you can. So back to my super polite, be super polite. Uh, Remember, they may be going through tough times. They may be sad that they have to let the piece go. The last thing they need is you being pushy and rude. Um, 
sometimes they're not comfortable with you being in their space. Yes, they need to sell it. Yes, they agree to come. But having a stranger come into their home, that's, you know, just remember you're walking into an awkward moment. Yes, and it's even awkward for you, but you need to be double on, pen, you know, double conscience of that. Uh, so I've already covered, I had a note here about easy on the questions. Uh, try to turn it into more dialogue-based rather than uh, drill sergeant-based. When did you get this piece? How much did you pay for it? Is it all wood? You know, it could be really irritating. Well, dude, buy it or don't buy it. You know what I mean? Um, hope you're having a nice day. How's it going? Um, have you had this piece long? Be very polite with the questions. Don't be in a hurry. So don't rush through your questions. Don't rush through your dialogue. If you can slow down a little bit, it does help you have a little better idea of your escape plan. And that's not a bad thing, but... So in the scenario from last week, I drove up and fortunately they had a U-shaped driveway. I could have either taken the pieces down the front stairs, but found out that they had a back ramp, like wheelchair accessible. That was great. But find out, do you need to go over any uh, steps inside the house? Are you upstairs, downstairs? Do you have any tight turns to make? Uh, sometimes you are talking to them, but they don't really know that you're looking for those little things like, I'm going to get it out of this room. Went to this one house uh, and they had this really nice dresser, but it's upstairs. I rarely deal with upstairs, but this one was upstairs. We could barely get it out of the room. In fact, we had to stand it on its end to get it out of the room just to get it in the hallway. And then the stairs were kind of a up, down, like, tight turn. It was so it was so bad. It took three of us to get it out of that house. But if I hadn't had help from that person, I would have been in trouble. I probably would have to walk away. But when you start going up the stairs, you need to start thinking about these things because you don't want to get to the back room, agree to it, give them the money, and then you can't get it out. So you might have to say, hey, before we agree on this, let me just walk through this, take some measurements. Or ask them, how did you guys get it up here? Oh, well, I was, you know, it was already here. Well, they don't even know. So now you're doubly in trouble, if you will. So start scoping the place out. How are you going to get it out? Is the door wide enough? Did they take it apart to get it in the room? That's something to think about. So second level, stairs, tight turns, ramps. Uh, I told the story, I think my first experience thing I talked about in one of our early episodes was the floor was really like falling apart. Can you even get, can you walk on it with that much load? What about a uh, dolly or handcart? Would that go through the floor? I don't carry one of those around with me because we use our um, shoulder dolly system more than, I just don't like putting furniture on handcarts. Although fortunately the last uh, china cabinet I picked up, I used it on that. They had one that worked out really well. I do have one, I just don't carry it around in my trailer. Uh, I don't like, don't want it to mess up my furniture. Gravel's not a good thing for me because I use these little small carts, uh, wheel carts, and they hate gravel. That's something to think about. What about sand or soft ground? Is it muddy? Those are all things you have to think about from the point of seeing the piece to getting back to your vehicle. You're going to have to be responsible for all those decisions and points of contact. Grass can be good. Grass can be bad. You just never know. So those things kind of fall into the meeting part, um, but I would, number one, stress, be courteous, be kind, communicate, be on time. Uh, 
tell them ahead of time when you're going to come and make sure they're okay with it. Confirm that the price is what you expect it to be. Um, for somehow or another, my last communication with the people, I didn't. I thought they confirmed it was two pieces and it was one. It still fit. But sometimes you just got to have that clear communication. Uh, you might even ask, I think it would have been good for me to say, are you going to be there um, when I show up? If they said, no, you'll be dealing with my aunt and my cousin. Okay, well, are they going to have the copy of this conversation? Do they know what you and I agree to? That's a good question to ask, too. Overall, number one, be prepared. Think about things in advance. As you do this more and more, you'll have more experience. But I'm hopefully some of these things get you thinking. Uh, be an investigator on site. Ask the right questions. And I think you're going to find that you have a better experience overall. I hope that was helpful information and tips and things that will enlighten your day when you start going out looking for furniture here in the near future. Maybe it's something that you experienced or something you're going to be experiencing. Either way, thank you so much for listening. I'm Aaron here in the Bowtie Treasure Studio. Until next time, we'll see you all later. Thanks for listening to this episode. Be sure to check out our website, bowtietreasures.com. And if you're enjoying the podcast, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. That way, other furniture artists like you can find the show. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you in the next episode.